Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers should thank their lucky stars every night they reside in the NFC South. Despite a 5-5 record, the Buccaneers are in great shape when it comes to winning a division that consists of the hapless Falcons, Saints, and Panthers. The Bucs obviously had higher hopes coming into the season, but injuries and an anemic offense have seen them perform well below a Tom Brady standard. Do they have enough to make a run in the playoffs and compete with the NFC's top-tier teams like the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings, or are they destined for disappointment in the form of an early round exit? To help break this team down, I welcome back Luke Easterling, who covers the Buccaneers for USA Today and BucksWire.com. Luke will tell us the state of the team as they enter their bye week after winning in Germany. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers reached 500 after traveling 5,000 miles to play the NFL's first game in Munich. They're hoping the next two weeks off will afford them time to heal while they prepare for a clash in Cleveland the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Let's see what USA Today's Luke Easterling has to say about the state of the team. Luke, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, my pleasure, Tim. Always a good time. Absolutely. So let's start right here with the question on everybody's mind about the 2022 version of the Buccaneers. Where's the offense gone? Thus far, they're averaging just 18.3 points per game this season. Uh, well, part of the offense has gone to the training room. Uh, that's, that's where they started, really. Again, you go back to the second day of training camp and your Pro Bowl center, Ryan Jensen, Goes down with a serious knee injury. We're expecting him to be out for the year. The team is still, I think, holding out a little bit of hope that maybe he can pull a uh, a Vita Vea from 2020 and maybe show up late in the playoffs if they're if they're still alive. Um, but that's kind of what started it. Um, you lose your Pro Bowl center, who again was the first guy that Tom Brady called when he knew he was coming back. He called Brian Jensen and was like, "Hey, you're going to be a free agent, but I'm coming back. Let's run this back. Let's do it again." And Jensen resigned right, you know, hours later. So obviously he was important to the success here. So to lose him was a huge blow right away. And then Aaron Stinney, who was the veteran guard who was supposed to compete with Luke uh, Luke Gedeke, the rookie second round pick, and Nick Leverett for the left guard spot after Ali Marpet's retirement, you know he goes down with a torn ACL in the preseason against the Titans. So you've lost a Pro Bowl center. You've lost your more experienced option to replace uh, Marpet at left guard, who again, Aaron Stinney played right guard for most of Tampa Bay's um, playoff run in 2020. That whole Super Bowl run, they lost Alex Kappa, the right guard, for, for that entire playoff run. 
uh, and he filled in as a starter. So you got to go into the season thinking, well, we don't have Marpet. We don't have Alex Kappa, but we've got, you know, Jensen at center. We've got Stinney, who we know we can rely on. We got Shaq Mason, who we traded for, and you're feeling okay, right? Injuries decimate that part of it. Then you bring in Julio Jones. He's hurt for most of the season. Russell Gage, you paid him $30 million over three years. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury since training camp and still hasn't been able to stay healthy. You know, Godwin is still trying to get back to 100%. I think we finally saw maybe 100%, you know, version of him on Sunday against the Seahawks in Germany. Um, I think six catches for 71 yards and a touchdown is what he had. Um, Evans has been banged up, but he keeps playing through it like he always does. So, you know, it's just, you know, Gronk is gone. You're missing some pieces that you expected to to have to replace. You're missing some that you didn't. And there's just there, there hasn't been a, a much time where this offense has been fully healthy, which means it hasn't been when they what they expected. So I think we we finally saw some flashes of that on Sunday. They had back to back touchdown drives on Sunday of 88 and 86 yards. Um, and that's what this offense is capable of doing. It's just been so few and far in between this year. It's It's been a real struggle to watch sometimes. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that line, because you're talking about two big pieces of that line missing, one of the questions I was going to ask you about was Leonard Fournette and how much has he been affected by that? Because right now he's 24th in the NFL in rushing yards. He's only broken 100 yards once, and it was in that very first game against Dallas. So does that have to do with, you know, he signed this big contract in the offseason. He came in hot and has definitely kind of slowed down over the course of the last several games. So is the line part of that, or what's due to his production? It's definitely a big part of it, but part of it, part of the reason for that, Tim, is because of the type of running back that Leonard Fournette is. And I'm going to bring Rashad White, the rookie, into this conversation because Leonard Fournette, and this goes back to his time at LSU. You know, I've been a draft guy myself, the editor at DraftWire, and, and I've been scouting prospects for a long, long time. I remember, you know, scouting Leonard Fournette and understanding what he did really, really well was obvious, right? You're, you're 230 pounds, you can run 4'4. You know, you're you're a nasty downhill runner who can run people over and run away from people at your size. It's a big deal. But but even in college, even when he was such a dominant back in college, the the biggest knock against Leonard Fournette was that lack of of lateral movement, the lack of lateral agility, the the ability to kind of stop and start and, and go side to side. That takes vision. It takes patience. It takes, you know, again, an understanding of what's happening in front of you. Those are things that Lenny has just never been the best at. That's never been his skill set, right? You want to get him running downhill north and south with a head of steam so he can run people over and run away from him. And unfortunately, when when that's the type of skill set you have at a running back, when, you're, when your offensive line is playing really well and you have a really good offensive line, we see what we saw from Leonard Fournette last year, right? And even through the Super Bowl run in 2020, he was seemingly unstoppable, right? Had a great year. When the offensive line isn't great and you're not creating those holes and that guy doesn't have time to create that that running start right he doesn't have time to get that head of steam because he's getting hit in the backfield and he does not excel at switching gears and and sliding side to side and and making those defenders miss in the hole when that's not his game it's going to look like it's looked this season for for Leonard Fournette and that being the case I've kind of been advocating over the last few weeks uh, for for Rashad White to have more of a role in this offense because he does excel at those things that's what he is best at is that lateral quickness, the vision, the patience, the explosiveness in and out of those cuts. And we saw little glimpses of it here and there throughout the season as he's as he's become more comfortable with the scheme and the offense. And it's so funny, I wrote on Sunday morning, I published a piece on why Rashad White should be the starting running back in this backfield. And I, and I broke down some of those reasons why. 
And so a few hours later to watch him go, you know, again, rush for 100 yards and, and have the game that he had really put the, the game away there late as well. The big stiff arm, everything. You saw all of those things that I wrote about play out in, in the game. And it was really fun to watch. And Fournette even had a good game. He averaged over four yards a carry, had a rushing touchdown before he went out with that, that hip injury, uh, which shouldn't be too serious. I'm hearing he should probably be back after the bye week. Um, but it's just a matter of, of how the skill sets of those two running backs differ and how Rashad White's skill set allows him to still find more success despite the injuries in the offensive line and why that has led to, I think, a lot of Lenny's struggles this season. Yeah, the old thunder and lightning where you need the bigger guy and the quicker guy. So, yeah. and, and, you know, let's talk about that one play against Seattle, and this was fantastic. Fournette lines up in the Wildcat, oh, runs to his right, tries throwing that pass that fooled absolutely no one in the stadium, and the rookie, Tariq Woolen, picks it off. Uh, Brady fell down. I think he kind of tackled him with a leg lock. He did. He tripped him. <laughs> he got a penalty for it. It was... What a disaster, man. Well, you know, leading up to that, Tom Brady in his career, he was three for three on catching passes thrown to him. So th this ruins one of the perfect things about Tom Brady. It was it was so gross, man. And and what made it worse was the situation, right? It was like a, a, a great drive. The Bucks were ahead and a chance to really put the game away. They were They were moving the ball, like methodically, doing whatever they wanted. Run, pass, run, pass. They were doing it all. And they just didn't need that play. They didn't need to pull that out at that moment. I know that Byron probably looked at the film and saw that when they ran that Wildcat play a couple of series earlier, the, the Seahawks didn't really cover Brady. They just saw him out there, and he was kind of jogging around. So they probably went back like any offensive coordinator does and be like, hey, we saw this. If they go out there and they don't cover him again, let's run it again, and let's actually throw it. Let's do something. The problem is they covered it. He was out there, and 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 I think Tom said it after the press conference. The best line he had was he literally said he tried to yell across the field, Lenny, no! <laughs> Lenny, no! Don't do it! He's out here! And I don't think the message got across. And uh, again, just, it's been, there have been a lot of great moments in Tom Brady's career. That was one of the ugliest plays I've ever seen in, 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 in any football game I've ever watched. And again, the situation made it worse. The Bucs just didn't have to try to do that in that moment. They were they were pounding the ball down the field and could have just kept going and scored. And, and having a turnover in that moment, in that ugly of a fashion, it was just insult to injury in the worst way. Now, and, you know, Tom Brady, and he and I are the same age, so we both grew up watching Ric Flair. I just think he was trying to put the figure four leg lock on Woolen. <laughs> but... Jeez, man. And I, I mean, honestly, man, the way that turf was on Sunday, they're lucky he didn't get hurt. Like, that's the biggest thing. It could have been even worse if he had gotten a knee, you know, cleat stuck and he does something to his knee that could have been so bad man just just he's come on just make just put him in a pocket and let him throw the ball i don't know if the, i don't know if we'll see that again that was that was so dangerous hey never say never with tom brady he might do that again when he's 50 but how how much did brady need this game i mean he's shown some public frustration lately and you know to finally have those two big drives to, to get back to 500 after winning the last two games how how big, how much relieved did he seem with this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could definitely feel it. And really, I mean, it's Brady, but it's everybody as well. You could feel it at the end of the Rams game, obviously, because they kind of snatched that one at the end. But you could still, you knew that they understood that winning that game wasn't that exciting because the Rams are really bad right now. The Rams are, are what, three and five? They're three and six, something like that. They're they're not playing very well. So I think the Bucks saw that, hey, yeah, it was great to beat the Rams and beat the defending champions. 
But we're not sure how much this says about our team yet. We still, you know, in that game, the Bucks still struggled on offense for 59 minutes and 16 seconds until that final drive when they were able to put together that, that game-winning drive and, and win the game. And there's something to be said for that. But, you know, the defense played really well in that game, which they did for most of the game again this week. But the offense still hadn't figured it out yet. And you could tell that while they were happy they beat the Rams, they knew they still had so much work to do before they could really be comfortable and confident that they were building something. Uh, in terms of momentum. So this week was the test, right? It's not, you know, some shell of, of last year's Rams team that's banged up and not playing well. You're playing against the Seahawks, who are one of the most impressive teams in the league this season, their first place in the NFC West. They had won four games in a row. Their offense, I mean, I wrote about it. I predicted the Bucks to lose this game because I just, I the way the Seahawks had been playing on both sides of the ball, the defense was making big plays and, and very opportunistic. Pete Carroll has that defense playing with fire. The offense was very balanced where you had, you know, Kenneth Walker, the the really the front runner for rookie of the year right now on offense. I think, you know, the Bucks bottled him up 10 carries for 17 yards, but, but he'd been having a great year. They were great in, in using that to, to use play action and, ha- and take the deep shots with Lockett and Metcalf down the field. Geno Smith, I think is having an MVP type season with the way he's dealt with the expectations of losing, you know, Russell Wilson leaving and everybody thinking the, the Seahawks are going to be awful. And here he comes in and completely resurrects his career uh, amid those circumstances. The Seahawks were a team that for every reason should have beaten the Bucks on Sunday. If you look at the way the seasons have gone for both of those teams up to this point. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, you heard, you felt it from Brady, but really you felt it from the entire team. that This was a statement win. They were happy to get the Rams win for a couple of different reasons. But this was a win that felt like, OK, we've got something now. We, we've figured some things out. We've actually got a quality win to hang our hat on. We've won two in a row. We did it, you know, not just on the road, but in another country. I know they did their best to make it a home game. They brought a cannon. They painted the end zones. They had the locker room looking like the Bucks. Like they did everything they could to make it feel like a home game. But that was still a, a not just a road game, but had that weird, like not quite Super Bowl feel, but it's international. There was so much hype and, and, and it was such a big stage that I think maybe the most important thing that the Bucks showed Sunday was, was the mental toughness that we just haven't seen for most most of the season, and part of that is because they responded in the game to those moments. Right? They they didn't let that weird play that was picked off and Tom Brady fell down. They didn't let that ruin the game. They had multiple opportunities to let that game finish very differently, and they responded. Devin White, the forced fumble, you know, inside the 10, 15 yard line when the Seahawks are about to go in and score to stop that drive. The Bucks hadn't had a, a takeaway in six games. And so they get it right there in that moment. You know, Devin White playing an incredible game three days after finding out just before he's supposed to get on the plane to go to Germany that his dad passed away at just 45 years old. You know, it, there's there's so much that this team proved to themselves, I think, in terms of their ability to overcome adversity and to be mentally tough overall, but also in certain game situations to just bounce back from mistakes and overcome things. That I think that's really what you could feel after the game is this this payoff from all of that resilience that they've shown in those moments, paying off with another big win like that, I think you could absolutely call it relief. But I think really it's starting to morph into confidence that they they feel, again, going into the bye week, they're 500. They've got a, a game and a half-ish lead you know, in the division because they have some tiebreakers there. Um, but they're looking ahead and thinking, okay, we, we, we are building something here, and we think we can finally, we're ready to make that run. Yeah, one statement you said in there, when you think about this, and and our hearts go out to Devin White, his father was the same age as Tom Brady is, and the the cornerback that picked off Tom Brady's pass, Tariq Woolen, he was 18 months old when Tom Brady first stepped foot 
on an NFL field. So I, it, just some of the things when you think about the amount of time that's passed and what he's still doing, it, it's just in, incredible. And, you know, obviously his favorite target all year has been Mike Evans. But when you look at that box score, you are you're seeing six passes to uh, Godwin, five passes to Evans. You know, he he's spreading the ball around a little bit more. But how amazing has it been that Evans, you know, it seemed at one point he was getting 20 targets a game because there was no one else I mean how just amazing is Mike Evans and physical and you say he's banged up how much does he need this two weeks to just kind of put himself back together he needs it bad he needs it bad and again this is a guy that throughout his career has played through multiple injuries Um, right now he's dealing with an ankle issue that started in the Panthers game it was like a weird play I think he rolled his ankle stepping on on a, a Panthers defender on a weird play um, and then last week against the Rams, he took a shot really early in the game, took a shot in his ribs and got it like taped up and padded in the middle of the game and, and finished the rest of that game out. But I mean, he's, he's one of the most, he's one of the toughest competitors I've ever been around just being in that locker room. And, but also as a, and, and Bruce Arians talked about this a lot and I'll bring Godwin into the conversation as well to have two pro bowl superstar wide receivers that are probably the most selfless, selfless, humble guys that you'll ever have as teammates at that position in particular, which has, you know, been known to have some very um, uh, diva personalities at that position in particular over the years. Um, but to have those two guys in that locker room as, as leaders um, and as, as just tough guys that'll just overcome anything. Um, it just, it, it's a, it's a huge thing for that locker room. And again, Mike Evans, I think should be a, a first ballot hall of fame guy. Again, he's about he's he's on pace still for another thousand yard season. Um, it would be his ninth straight to start his career. He's never had anything but thousand yard seasons. He's the only player to do that. Randy Moss was the only other player to get seven, uh, and so you know Evans is about to have nine if he stays on this pace. And he's just again he's he's kind of like Levante David, you know, the guy that was just so dominant and so productive and such a great leader for so long. But he did it on a lot of really bad teams. So on a national level, I think he just those two guys in particular didn't get the respect they deserve, but then Tom Brady comes and you get the national notoriety. You're on prime time and, and in these these big national slots every week, and you win the Super Bowl. And now people across the whole league and across the world really are starting to understand what Bucks fans have really known since 2012 and 2014, which is that Levante David and, and Mike Evans are two of the best to ever play the game. Who else on the Bucks roster is going to really utilize this two weeks to to get in better physical shape or health? Um, you know that that's currently on the Bucks mash unit. Or is there somebody who's just been banged up and playing, or do they, could they maybe get some of these linemen back? So you know, what might we see after the two week break? I think the guy I'm really looking forward to getting back is Logan Ryan. Um, he's been out since uh, I think week two or three. It was early in the season. Um, that he he ended up with a foot injury, had surgery, went on injured reserve. Um, Todd Bowles told us today we're we're taping this on a Monday, and Todd Bowles told us that he doesn't think he'll quite be back for that Cleveland game in Week 12, but shouldn't be too far out. He still hasn't you know seen him run yet, so we'll see. But you know, getting him healthy again, a versatile guy who can line up in the nickel, he can play safety, he can play in the slot, he can play corner, he can even come down in the box and really play a little linebacker. He had that interception against against Green Bay where you could just see the the instincts and the experience, the know-how to, to read Aaron Rodgers and his tendencies and, and jump in into a spot where you knew the ball was going to be and pick him off. You know, that's the kind of stuff that when they signed him and again, letting a guy go like, like Jordan Whitehead, a younger guy who had some experience in the scheme, 
but they really wanted a veteran presence who could communicate and, and use that experience to the, to the advantage of a very young secondary. And I think having him out of the lineup, obviously having any starting DB out of the lineup hurts your depth. Um, but him in particular with the leadership and the experience and the communication ability that he brings to that defensive backfield, we saw it early on pay dividends. He had another, he had a, a big uh, turnover he was involved with in the saints game as well. That is the guy that I think down the stretch here could be a real difference maker for the defense that really hasn't been on the field in a while. Yeah. Let's talk about that defense there, you know, through 10 games, only allowing 18 points a game. As I mentioned earlier, the offense averaging 18.3 points a game. So that's why they're a 500 team. But, you know, the defense playing really well. How would you grade them so far? You know, I, I think it's definitely north of average. I think they've been above average. They've had some stretches where they've been kind of frustrating to, to watch. Um, but considering the injuries they've dealt with, again, Akeem Hicks, was out from week two to, I think, last week. Logan Ryan has been out for a good bit of the season. Shaq Barrett is now out for the season with a, a torn Achilles. Um, you know, you've had very – we had, what, Antoine Winfield was out for two and a half, three games with a concussion. All three of – I think two of the three top corners have missed multiple games. Carlton Davis missed a couple, I think. Sean Murphy Bunting missed a couple. Uh, Mike Edwards missed a game or two with an elbow injury. So that I don't know how much we've actually had this entire defense on the field healthy uh, for an entire game. So considering all those things that they've dealt with and considering the fact that the offense has just been really stagnant for most of the season, like you said, average 30 points a game last year, they're averaging 18 right now. And what that means is your defense is on the field a lot more. The, you know, the offense isn't moving the ball. They're not getting first downs. They're not having those sustained drives where they're eating up clock. So your defense is having to spend more possessions, more snaps on the field. They're getting more tired. So so putting all those things together, considering all that adversity they've had to overcome, I think this has easily been an above average performance for this defense. They've had some moments where you would, you know, some some miscommunications and, and blown assignments from from guys that you just wouldn't expect it from at this point, especially again, the fact that they're still playing in Todd Bowles defense for the fourth season now. You know, there's still some things they need to iron out and some consistency issues there. But again, considering all the things they've had to deal with this year. I think the defense is really the biggest reason why the team is five and five and instead of worse. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to be challenged when they get back here on the Sunday following Thanksgiving because they play the Cleveland Browns, who don't have a whole lot to brag about except for that fantastic running back they have, Nick Chubb. So how how important is this game for the Buccaneers to get on a three-game winning streak? And how do you see this one going when they play the Browns? I think it's a big one for their for their confidence again, and and there will be some players they'll have to watch out for. Assuming Miles Garrett is going to be playing in that game, that you know one of the best pass rushers in the league. There's some playmakers on that defense, and again, Nick Chubb, and really you could throw Kareem Hunt in there as well. Amari Cooper is one of the better receivers still in the league. I think he's a bit underrated. Um, you know, and the Bucks have seen Jacoby Brissett before. He was the quarterback of the the uh, the Colts when they they came to Tampa. Uh, back in 2019 and, and played them really close in a, in a tight game there where the, the Colts scored a lot of points. So they're not going to take that game lightly. Um, they're not going to take that opponent lightly. It's going to be, you know, up north and it's going to be cold. Um, so that that might play into it. But that's that's a huge win for them because you look ahead right after that. And, you know, they got the Saints in prime time. They've got the 49ers. They've got the Bengals. they got some tough opponents down the stretch there. The Browns are a team that the Bucks should beat. Uh, and, and they have to win those types of games down the stretch here. If they want to get where they, they want to go, you look at it and you think maybe if they lose, well, at least it's against an AFC opponent. So it's not impacting your tiebreakers in, in terms of division record or, or conference record. But, you know, that's a game the Bucks should win. They're more talented than that team and they should win that game. 
Yeah, you know, when you look at that upcoming schedule, you do. You've got the 49ers, Cardinals, and Bengals will be what I would call their tougher contests. But then you have they they have one game each against the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons in their own division. And, you know, they had that just terrible loss to Carolina earlier in the season where they only scored three points. So, you know, obviously you'd like to see them go 3-0, and but, you know, do you see a 2-1 and out of that stretch, or, or should they sweep them now if they continue to get healthy and play the way they are? You got to sweep them. You got to sweep them. I mean, those those three teams, again, you can just toss out that Carolina game. I don't know what in the world that was, um, but there's no excuse for the Bucks to lose to any of those teams. There's just, you know, the talent level is just not not there. The continuity that this team has in terms of the scheme on both sides of the ball, offensive, defense, there's no excuses. Even, you know, injuries, you want to, you know, you're assuming they'll get healthier, but you never know. Somebody could go down. I, I don't want to hear it. There's no reason for this Bucks team to lose to any of those NFC South teams down the stretch here. You've got to have all three of those wins because again, you might need an extra one, you know, against, you know, when you go to play San Francisco on the road on, and, you know, on the other side of the country, you got to play Cincinnati. Who's, you know, if they get a little healthier, they'll have Jamar chase back by then. I'm sure, um, you know, those are the games you're going to have to, if you're going to lose a game, it has to be one of those teams that, that deserves to beat you, you know, that you kind of expect like, okay, this is going to be a tough fight. You cannot let your guard down against any of those division opponents. If you want to secure the division, secure that home playoff game and get yourself a chance to win another Super Bowl, it starts by beating those three teams. You cannot lose any of those games. And now, and you're looking at the likes of Andy Dalton, you know, possibly PJ Walker, I guess with the Panthers, Marcus Mariota. But even when you look at the other games, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo there for the 49ers, who wasn't the starter this year. And, you know, with the Cardinals, Murray got a, you know, he was a last second scratch yesterday. So you'll have to see what, what the different injuries are. So really Joe Burrow is kind of the one constant in the final six games that they play there. But, you know, you talk about head scratchers aside from the Panthers, that Steelers game. So you just, if you're the Buccaneers, I imagine you've got to try and avoid that. You know, how, how good has Todd Bowles been as their head coach this year and keeping them afloat and doing the things that they need to do? You know, it's it's hard to grade him just yet, you know, because I think, again, on, on his side of the ball, things have been mostly good. Um, obviously, he's got a very different style of doing things than Bruce Arians did. We always knew that was going to be the case. Um, but, I, you know, what, I, what I'll say is that the things this team has struggled with this year, I think, have very little to do with Todd Bowles. Uh, I think it's not about, you know, people when they lost those two games were wondering if, you know, you know, oh, Arians isn't there to light the fire anymore. It's, you know, that's the problem. I, I just don't buy it. I don't think that's it. I think these players really love Todd. I think they trust him. I don't think he's the, the, the issue here. And again, if you see this team win these two games, they go into the bye week, if they come out and they look really good against Cleveland, you know, then, then you got New Orleans coming to town, which again, they should win a primetime game against a division opponent. They'll want to get that taken care of. Now you got to, you know, now you're starting to build things. So I, I think that the narrative will change. Um, as it moves forward, but I, I've seen nothing but but things that it, if I were a Bucks fan, I, I I don't think I would have made a different decision. You know what I mean? I know again when you lose two games like they did against Carolina and Pittsburgh, it's easy to question everything up to the top. Um, but it, again, the things this team has struggled with this year have have very little to do with Todd Bowles, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's going to end up proving that it was the right decision um, to to replace Todd uh, to replace Bruce Arians with him. Uh, because I think he 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 has what it takes. I think he's he's learned some things since he was in New York, and he's got a much better roster to work with. And I, I think he'll get this team to a division title and, and get them into the playoffs. 
Yeah, and you know when you when you look at let's look ahead to the playoffs. You know, and let's say that you know the Buccaneers they win their division, so they're going to be at least host you know one game or whatever it may be, maybe two. But when you look at how they stack up against some of the true elite teams there in the NFC, the Eagles, you know, watching that Vikings Bills game yesterday, that's one of the best football games I've seen in my entire life. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, how how do they stack up against some of these juggernauts? I mean, is this a team that, you know, might be able to win one game and then an early exit? Or can they stand up if they're meeting one of these teams in, like, you know, the NFC championship? Here's what I'll say about this team is whatever they look like right now I, is not going to matter. When, when, when this team, a Tom Brady-led football team with this much talent, gets to the playoffs— Nobody's going to want to play them. That's what that's 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 what I'll say. I don't care if you're the Eagles, who again are a better version of the team that that we're, we saw last year. But the Bucks were beating them 31 to nothing in the third quarter last year in the first round of the playoffs. So I'm telling you, the Vikings have looked great. They have been the the cardiac kids of the year, finding weird ways to win games that normally the Vikings. We're talking about the Vikings being the team that loses those games in those really heartbreaking fashion, right? I think the Vikings fans have more than earned uh, all of the, uh, the the dramatic wins that they've gotten so far this season for all those years they've had to deal with being on the other side of it. But that's that's kind of my opinion is that right now, and the way these teams look right now, I don't think the Bucs can hang with with those teams. I don't think the Bucs are on the level of the Eagles or the, uh, or the Vikings. And I, I think anybody else really in the NFC are probably just as far away from those two teams than anybody else, um, the Bucs included. But I'm telling you, it if there's one guy you don't want to face in the playoffs, it's Tom Brady. And, and again, he's got way too much talent on both sides of the ball in this team. They've got talent in the special teams. We haven't even talked about the fact that Jake Camarda, their fourth round rookie punter, has been, you know, maybe the second most valuable player on the team this year outside of the kicker, Ryan Zuckup, who is, yeah, I think, has still maybe the most field goals in the league. Maybe somebody's caught him by now, but he had that miss on Sunday, but he's been almost automatic all year, even at 35, 36 years old. So, I mean, this team, again, healthy enough. You're never going to be fully healthy, but healthy enough. We haven't even talked about the fact that, like I said earlier, maybe Ryan Jensen's back if they go far enough. Like Vita Vea came back for the NFC title game. Nobody is going to want to face a Tom Brady-led team with this much talent in the playoffs. I, I don't think – I think that team is going to be a very different team than anything we'll see in the regular season. And and I will take my chances with Tom Brady and this team in the playoffs against anybody. Yeah, and you know, if I believe if the season, let's say, were to end today, I think they would get the New York Giants in in a playoff game. So I'm sure you know nobody right now still at seven and two, no one believes in the New York Giants. So I would imagine that uh, the Bucks would be favored in that game, and then they would probably end up facing you know either the Eagles or the Vikings. So it'll be fun to see and interesting to see how this kind of this thing shakes out because uh, seven games, a lot can happen between now and then. Yeah, definitely plenty of time for for things to go either way for a lot of these teams. Um, but again, you know, I'm, I'm going to bet on Tom Brady until he proves me otherwise. Um, and and again, I, I trust the the talent level on this team and the fact that again, you've seen the mental toughness, the resilience we've seen from this team the last two weeks in particular. They get the bye week now to get a little healthier and to kind of build that momentum and prepare uh, for the last seven weeks of the season. I, I've I've got all the confidence in the world that the Bucks are going to do what it takes to get in the door which means all you got to do is win the worst division in the, in the league. Uh, you win those three division games and you're probably going to win the NFC South. You get a home playoff game. 
And, and at that point, all you got to do is get in. And, and if you get in the door and you've got Tom Brady at quarterback and Mike Evans and Levante David, all these guys on, on both sides of the ball, I like that team's chances against anybody in the league. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this weekend, we, we all across the Sunshine State get a reprieve as not only the Buccaneers, but the Dolphins and Jaguars are also off. So all three NFL teams in the state are taking a break this weekend. So, Luke, what else haven't we talked about that you might want to get into the uh, in front of the audience before I let you go? Uh, I don't think there's much, man. I, I think that it's nice to not be talking about the draft now after a couple of wins. I think I think Bucks fans had starting to, started to see those early draft orders we put up on DraftWire uh, and see the Bucks picking at seven a couple weeks ago. That was pretty scary. Um, thinking about them not even being able to win the NFC South, but now you get these two big wins against NFC opponents, which are huge. Um, and uh, it's just it's much nicer to be talking about what they're going to do in the playoffs again instead of worrying about whether or not they're going to you know, be able to draft Bryce Young in the top 10. It's it's a much better conversation. That's for sure. And uh, hopefully we won't have to watch any more Thursday night games with like the Panthers and, and the Falcons worrying about what might happen with the Bucks. <laughs> terrible, terrible. <laughs> All right, Luke. Well, how can people uh, find your work or follow you along on social media? Yeah, it's pretty simple on social media. I'm at Luke Easterling on Twitter. Uh, you can follow at the draft wire or at Bucks wire as well. Um, and again, buckswire.usatoday.com draftwire.usatoday.com obviously bucks coverage and then we cover the draft for uh all 32 teams and then from the college perspective as well uh so even if you're not a bucks fan you're listening to this and, and you, you root for the dolphins or the jags or anybody else we'll have your team covered uh from a draft perspective and, and kind of let you know what your team needs and, and what players might fit those uh needs in the next draft there you go. And trust me when I say Luke knows this stuff as well as anybody because he is insanely researched. So, Luke, great job as always. I appreciate you coming on, and I look forward to talking to you again as we get near the playoffs. Absolutely, Tim. Thanks so much, man. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. To quote Hall of Famer and Bucks legend Derek Brooks, you can pick any game, and there are two or three plays that determine whether you win or lose going either way. That's the beauty of the league, man. Every game counts, no matter who you're playing or what their record is. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.